Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Episode 154, evolutionary.org, hardcore podcast. Craig Titus is who we're doing today, guys. Steve Smee here and the mobster. What's up, buddy? Oh, we're going to cover the bad boy of bad boys. No holding back today. Craig Titus. Uh, Craig Titus this is going to be a fun one, guys. Former IFEV professional bodybuilder. His career was cut short, not for health reasons, by <laughs> actually a despicable act where he murdered a woman. So we're going to get into that. He was an active, active bodybuilder from 1988 to 2005, which was the year the murder took place. So, you know, that's what, 80s, 90s, 2000s, three decades he was in. And it would have probably kept going into uh, four decades the way he was going. So in this, our, this, this podcast, guys, we're going to talk about his life, his crime, and his steroid use. We're kind of the debate that steroids have any effects on what happened to him. But first, talk a little bit of his early life. 67 was the year he was born near Detroit, Michigan. Two younger siblings. He wanted to play football in high school, but he was not able to do good at it because he was a tiny guy. He was only five foot six, 135 pounds at the time. But, you know, uh, little did he know that that small frame would be ripe to get into bodybuilding. He, that, that's the... That's what you want. You want a nice, lean physique to kind of grow into. So he got on the weight training. He had really good results really on, gained 50 pounds within a few years. And then he was like, wow, I should become a pro bodybuilder. So that was what he did. First real show, 21 years old. He won the 1988 Houston Bodybuilding Championships in the middleweight class. Then he won the competition again the very next year. And then he did very well at various NPCs. He won the 1991 NPC Ironman. He finished in top four in the other heavyweight divisions. So as this was happening, Mobster, and I'll bring you in on this one, he had his first legal problem. So tell us a little bit of his legal problems, and we'll kind of get into his comeback from that. I, I, I just noticed a specific legal problem here was he uh, got caught, busted, and pleaded guilty for ecstasy distribution and had to wear a, an electronic anklet. We have those in this country as well, of course, uh, for 16 months via house arrest. That's not unusual as well. Violated his prohibition by being busted for using anabolic steroids. And we, in fact, funny enough, Steve, you and I remember we've had a few uh, posts on the forums from guys that are on probation and are using, and of course we know that the typical probationer uh, drug test is not for steroids, but of course if you're a big muscular guy, that's part of your, maybe your arrest your, on your on your rap sheet, then they're gonna test you for all that kind of stuff. I'm also reminded here very quickly, Steve, of the whole business of what they call gateway drugs. Steroids are not typically what get you guys into trouble. It's nearly always some other kind of drug and then you come back to steroids in it because of course it's a dis. It, it's a criminal offense in, in, in both our countries, but for specific different reasons. Um, 
you don't typically go steroids and then into other drugs. It's nearly always other drugs and then steroids if you're that kind of person and if you have an addictive personality. I think we can say quite safely, uh, Steve, that Craig's issue was his addictive personality. He was a big risk taker and is a guy that's obviously, you know, you're on promotion, Steve, and you're getting busted again. So I'm going to say he's definitely a risk taker, definitely someone with an addictive personality, definitely someone who considered that the rules weren't for him. And we're going to get into his old bad boy and, and that aspect as well. Back to you. So, yeah, definitely. He kind of used this in marketing. I can remember around the time we knew who Craig Titus was. Because a lot of people, you know, they want to do, it's like the whole WWE thing, the pro wrestling thing, where you have the bad guys and the good guys and the, and then everyone hates the bad guy and they're booing them. And then he goes in the ring and he wins. Everybody's upset. And then they have a rematch and then the good guy wins. Everybody's happy. It's the same thing. So he kind of uses this as this advantage, advantage. But the thing with this is, this is real life. This isn't fake pro wrestling here. In real life, this guy was a troubled individual. So his comeback, you want to talk about, um, give your comment on that? So I just want to address the the bad boy issue. He actually did an interview when he asked to leave uh, the Weeder contract that he had, and he leaves Weeder and immediately does an interview, and he actually addresses the whole bad boy thing. And he said that he made money, as you just said, so the marketing thing is very true. WWE are selling lots of tickets and pay-per-views every time they sell the whole gig that you've just described. He made money from being a badass. He made money from being that person. And, and of course, the problem, as you just said, Steve, is he was that person in real life. It wasn't just a thing for the magazine. And then we shake hands and have a beer or a protein shake behind the scenes at the show. This guy was like this all the time. He, he, he talks about, for example, he says... I don't know necessarily that I'm confrontational, but the time that he came into bodybuilding and started to make a name for himself, which would be the late 80s, early 90s, is when we know, and I've described this before, when the internet, and in terms of social media, et cetera, started to kick off. So every time someone said a bad thing about him in a magazine, every time someone said a bad thing about him online, and he had a chance to go up to that person and, and say, what the fuck, he did that. It wasn't just sort of like, you know, some guys, and we've seen this recently, some guys will go out of their way and go, because it's good for marketing, it's going to sell tickets, it's going to sell pay-per-views, but bodybuilding shows. No, this guy says, I heard you say something, what's your fucking problem? And that was for real, but he made money from that. He said he thought he's managed his business with the after parties and the whole thing of being a bad guy, better than most bodybuilders to the point where he was making, in his opinion, and of course we've only got his opinion for this, two to three times the revenue that other pros on his level, same sort of uh, competition rankings, etc. He was making two to three times as much cash as they was simply because he was marketable, simply because he was able to make something of this, simply because people liked the idea of interviewing or having a guest poser or whatever of a bad guy. And of course, they're all waiting for, you know, the fists, they're always waiting for the fight. They want to see him confront someone in the audience because they know that's going to sell more tickets and get more attention just to the show and the magazines and whatever else. So, yeah, the whole bad boy thing was marketing. He made money from it. But equally, to, to, to put it unkindly, he was an idiot. He was doing stupid fucking shit and causing kind of problems and whatever else. And we know that there was various confrontational situations that have occurred and one or two blows that may have taken place according to stories that I was reading at the time in the magazines and online myself. Back to you. Well, I'm scared now 
because when he gets out of prison, he's going <laughs> to come after us now. So Momster, I'm hiring Momster. Momster is going to be my bodyguard. So yeah, he wants to mess with Monster. Mobster, he then he's got to go. No, no, my front door's this thick. You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be on the front door. So so after he did his time, uh, he got 21 months in prison. I don't know if he served the whole 20 months. I don't remember when I did my research if if he did, but it's not really important. Maybe he served half the time. I, I don't really know if he served the whole thing or not. But he gets out and then he's back in 2000. He he competes in four, at least four major competitions against the best in the world. And he yeah. finished eighth at the Ironman Pro, 10th at the Arnold Classic, fifth at the Toronto Pro, and 11th and nine the champion. So this guy was an incredible bodybuilder, really. And I would imagine while he was in prison, he spent his time lifting and he spent his time, you know, buying good quality food, as much good quality food as he could while in prison to just focus on his physique and preparing for his comeback. Because that's what you got when you're in prison. You got time. You got all the time in the world. All you got to do in prison is train and sleep. That's all he had to worry about and eat whatever he could get his hands on. The next year, he did even better. He got six of the Arnold Classic and 12th at the Mr. Olympia. So 2002, he got 11th at Mr. Olympia. And he finished top 10 at numerous IFBB competitions. And he had his last competition in 2005. So at his peak, five foot eight, 265 pounds in the off season and 240 pounds during season. So he wasn't the biggest guy at five foot eight, but he was big. <laughs> Can you imagine five foot eight and that much weight? He's holding a ton of muscle and being lean. So we get into now what happened, what interrupted his comeback, what interrupted his bodybuilding career. So December, 2005, he had a personal assistant named Melissa James and they found her burned inside of Craig's wife's Jaguar. The manner of death that they found was being beaten, tasered, and given morphine. And it was found out that Titus was involved in an affair with her. So we had a little bit of a love triangle going on. So naturally, the fact that she was found in his wife's car, they right away... They thought, mm, maybe the wife did this. So then they kind of investigated this, but it ended up, what ended up happening is <clears throat> they both were involved. Titus admitted he killed her while he was on drugs and claims it was an accident. His wife also got involved in the murder and his quote was, things got carried out of control. That was an exact quote. So the first time they investigated it, and um, it's really cool because I watched a crime, uh, crime daily, true crime daily uh, show, the one with Chris Hansen. And I really like Chris Hansen when he investigates this stuff. He was the guy who did the Catch a Predator for many years. I don't know if you've ever heard of that show, Mops. I don't know if it's a big thing in Britain. No, you don't know. No, you don't? I've, yeah. it's, I've seen. It's I've an seen NBC show. Yeah. Yeah. But, but true crime daily they but true crime daily uh they they do you know they investigate these murders and stuff and crime so it's kind of a cool show if you're into that sleuth stuff which i am into i'm not into the fake csi stuff i'm into the the real the real stuff i'm more of a nonfiction guy so anyway um 
when they confronted the wife about it, they're like, and she basically, her first story was, oh, that girl, she was crazy. She was on drugs. She stole my car. We don't know where she went. So then they started looking into it. And on camera at Walmart, this is how dumb they were. This is how dumb they were. They went to Walmart, which is the worst place you should go if you're trying to do something like this. And they bought lighter fluid because Walmart has cameras everywhere. It's impossible to steal from Walmart. I mean, they are obsessed with this type of stuff. So they have them on camera buying lighter fluid. So how, just by coincidence, you're buying lighter fluid, hmm, kind of weird. So, and then they basically afterwards, after they found out, hey, the cops are not buying our story, they fled Las Vegas, which is where the crime took place. And they drove east the other side of the country, all the way across to Massachusetts. And what the authorities thought was they're trying to get out of the country to go to a uh, country like Greece. And if they got to Greece, they wouldn't get uh, extradition back to the United States. So mobster, maybe you know a little bit about that. If you go to a country, not every country has a treaty with the United States. So if you make it to that country, you may be safe because they won't be able to go there and grab you and take you back. So I don't know if you know much about that. I don't know how it works in Britain. Yeah. Couple of couple of things on the uh, extradition treaty. Fun enough, we've got one with the U.S., but the U.S. doesn't have one with us. And there was a case uh, a few years ago where uh, American personnel were coming off an army base in this country, and will drive on the right hand side instead of the left hand side, as we do in the U.K. And there've been a couple of close calls, and then someone managed to get run over. And it turns out it was the wife of a high-ranking military official. And she immediately left the country, like within 24 hours, flew back to the States, got lawyered up. And then essentially America said they wouldn't make her come back to the UK to face the offence and, and go to court and see if she'd been found guilty. You know, you're not supposed to leave the scene of an accident, all that kind of stuff, especially a fatal accident as this was. So we have supposedly since Prince Winston Churchill, a special friendship and a special arrangement with the US, but it doesn't include the extradition treaty. So there's some bizarre stuff out there. You think it's some sort of South American or African thing, and then you find it's not. It's stuff like that, so it's absolutely crazy. On, on the murder stuff, I, as I say, I've been a fan of bodybuilding since 1980, and the, the rumours and the stories, and even the stories that Craig himself came out with, the variations... Of the of the bullshit, you know, this thing he was saying he was interviewed pre the murder, saying I've got a bad reputation for being a risky fella, and specifically addressing the drugs. And he said, "Listen, we're social. We put on these parties. We we occasionally enjoy ourselves at weekend." I think the reality, Steve, as you'll probably appreciate for this, was they were getting high as fuck twenty four seven three sixty five. It'd be like two days a week off just to be able to claim that they're not getting high every day. That kind of stuff. Every time they go and and, and, and I, this American euphemism, which we use in this country now, and I can't, maybe it's because I'm an older guy, I find it annoying. When people talk about, and I'm using the old rabbit ears here, partying, what they really mean is going around to a friend's house and getting high. You're not putting on disco music. You're not dancing around your sofa, people. You're getting high, high and drunk. And the stories that came out, there was there's there's a variation, and we addressed this in, in, in a moment, where... I think some of what he said was to protect Kellyanne. So the the, the you, you go right was did were they were from almost certainly all high. The business with the taser is supposed to come down to the fact that the uh, uh, 
the young lady ODs. And they then get the taser to try and resuscitate her, like something out of a Pulp Fiction movie. You know, this idea with the adrenaline shot into the heart. I will taser her and let's be like, kickstart her heart again. Guy, honestly, it, you had so many different versions of this story. Essentially, everybody's high, one dies, or they kill her, or they taser her, and then they kill her, and then they put her into the boot of the car, and then they're not sure what to do, so then they set the car on fire. You mentioned the whole going to Walmart with the lighter fuel. I think one of the stories was that when they were captured, Kellyanne was getting her nails done in some nail salon. <laughs> what movies have they been watching? Were they high when they was on the run? What movies have they been watching where you go to Walmart, as you say, to buy light fuel, or you go and get your nails done while you're on the run for murder across the country? And, and, and oh, well, it's very important to go get your nails done when the police are hunting for you. I mean, it's absolute. It makes them sound like morons. If you're going to do something that stupid, that dangerous, that crazy, where potentially, as this case of Craig, you're going to be 55 years in prison, the last thing I think I'd be doing is I'd go and get a manicure or I'd get a French polish. No, no, no. I just going to be like hiding under some sacks in someone's barn or living in a caravan in the middle of nowhere, finding some place up in a forest. What I'm not doing is going to Walmart and get myself on camera. What I'm not doing is getting my nails polished. I, I it just, I think what we've got here, Steve, probably is including the young lady that died, Melissa, three risk takers who are taking drugs. So their processing is just completely skewed. And then because of the risk taking personality types, et cetera, which they probably had before the drugs and because of the bad boy stuff, you can only imagine if the camera crew been able to follow these people around, it's probably going to be fuck the police. No one knows. I can do what I like. They're, they're too stupid to catch me. Blah, 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 bang. And then you go and get caught. I mean, I just cut it's, it's hard to imagine us in this situation doing some of the stupid stuff and coming out with the story. You're better off keeping your damn mouth shut. Don't, don't the stories we've heard and the variations on the stories that we've heard. I think it's going to be one of those things, even with the court case, the facts are just going to be you know, the autopsy and, and what we found at the murder scene, everything else just sounds like complete uh, bullshit. And what if there's any sad, sad part to it, and I'll address this now, is if that Craig might have given himself up, so to speak, in terms of his statements and in the court, etc., to let Kellyanne go from prison, only, of course, as we know, for, it, for them to get divorced, and so she's already out of prison, and he's probably got another 20 to 30 years to go. So, Craig, if you're listening somewhere in a prison cell, man, she should be doing the same amount of time as you. So definitely at least 20 years apiece on top of whatever you've already had so far. I, I don't know why she's out and about, Bella, because I can't see that she's entirely innocent. I can't see that your version of the story is entirely correct. She's involved. She fucked up. And she's, she's out and about. She's walking free right now, whereas he's going to be in for at least another 20 years, Steve. You know what I mean? So that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, she's a hell of an athlete. Uh, there's a video of her yeah. doing flips on stage. She's really yeah. huge. Um, so yeah, it, there's a couple things, you know, with this murder that were happening. This girl, Melissa James, lived with them. You live with a married couple. It's a stupid idea on both counts. Don't ever move in with a married couple. 
there's no upside to that unless I don't care if you're starving and you really need some place to stay. So what happened was they promised her, you know, to be, uh, she'd be their assistant. They promised her things and they never delivered on them. And it got to the point where she confronted them. Not only that, but it's a strong likelihood she had an affair with Craig. So you've got the love aspect, you got the passion aspect, you got the revenge aspect with Kelly, and then you've got the money aspect, and you got this girl who has information on, hey, these guys, people are doing some shady stuff when it comes to drug use and selling steroids and selling drugs and all this stuff. I can screw them. I can go to the authorities. This guy has a criminal history. He's going to go to prison a long time if I say something. So it became easier for them to just eliminate her and take that chance. And they did it without thinking and they did it, you know, and it was a bad decision on their part and they thought they'd get away with it. And their the way they murdered her was just disgusting. And they're sick, sick puppies. And he ended up, yeah, she, yeah, go ahead. Just, just to support something you just said there, Steve, uh, I, I watched some of the true crime that uh, programs that you do over here in the UK via YouTube, etc. And there was a particular comment. There's a, a fellow in this country called Mar Marvin uh, Hubbard, I believe, or something like that. And he was a big time gangster. And one of the things he said rang a bell with what you just said there. He says, the reason why so many people, I mean, it's quite simple. They're doing all this crime. They're doing all this crazy shit. And then essentially, to, 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 to put it crudely, as we would say in the UK, they grass each other up to the police so that they don't go to prison. So the idea that Melissa might have been putting some sort of hold on either of the couple or both of them is entirely possible. And the situation, of course, is marred by, by bad judgment. It's almost certainly marred by uh, emotion. And without a doubt, the judgment, have you ever had the less than dubious pleasure to be around someone who's either drunk or high when you're stone cold sober and you maybe you've had beer or one beer or something and listen to the thought process that's coming out of these people's mouth in this situation, with the amount of drugs that they were doing, with the stupid shit they were doing, I can't imagine the kind of crap they were talking to each other. I can't imagine when you're sitting high, maybe in your own room, and you can hear them in the other room, the, the thought process that this person's going through, the, the, your judgment is skewed already, and then you've got this emotion and bad boy and bullshit and all the rest of it. Maybe even Melissa's thing was to be with that couple because they were bad because they were this reputation. Maybe she thought it was great to be around these people that were like pseudo gangsters doing their stuff, making their deals, getting high and living the life of whatever else. And I, I know people, I can think of local people like that, that walk down the street and talk like that because they're half high when you see them at nine and 10 o'clock in the morning. And you hear the crap they come out with before the police are tapping them on the shoulder. And that's just people high on, 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 on coke and high on weed. High on every, these, the drugs that these people are supposed to have had in their system and the judgment they would have. Honestly, Steve, if you've ever been around anybody, whether it's a family member, which I can lay claim to in that particular case, or, or friends or friends of friends or whatever else, or you've been to a party where people are getting high and you're just having a, a, a you know one bottle of beer or something like that, and you hear some of the decision making when aggravation and emotion or anger or whatever is involved or jealousy. Or or, or 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 any of the bullshit. Who knows what they were they swinging and it all went wrong. What was she in love with him and got jealous? 
and then they get high and start making decisions. Don't make decisions when you're high, people. Just don't. Don't, don't. I mean, we have this occasionally on the forums. Don't post when you're angry. Don't put the Facebook, social media. Don't post when you're upset. Don't post when you're high. Don't post when you're drunk. And in this case, don't have a woman in the house that's going to split you two down the middle and be high and then do the crazy, crazy shit these people would do. I mean, if I'll address right now, uh, before we get into the cycle, nutrition, training, etc., there's this whole idea of the so-called steroid rage, which in essence doesn't exist. Uh, it was a legal claim made by lawyers or people lawyered up trying to get their clients out of uh, 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 a murder one. So they come up with this idea that steroids made me angry. And, in the, and the reality is Steve, Steve and I have been on this forums one way or another between us probably close to 60 years altogether. And uh, I can think of maybe three or four people that have said that they've got genuinely angry or properly irritable or properly anxious. And I mean properly on steroids. 99 times out of 100, every single case, when it's actually come to court, ignoring the newspapers, ignoring the media, but when it's actually been presented as evidence in court, there's nearly always alcohol involved. There's nearly always been some sort of violent issue before. In other words, the guy is a dick and he's beat his wife and he did that before steroids, he did it on steroids and he did it after steroids. Nine times out of 10, as I've already said, there'd been alcohol involved or other drugs. So in other words, he was a dick who beats his wife and then he got high. Or he's a dick who beats his wife and then he got drunk. This was not someone who goes, I shot some trend and then I kicked off. No, you was a dick before and you used trend. It's like a coincidental thing. You might as well say every person that lives in a house made out of bricks has got issues. But if they take stories and they live in a house made out of bricks, it's, it just gets ridiculous. So the situation here is they, you can't, it's hard for us as normal, sensible, maybe law-abiding, hopefully kind of normal Joes, Cops of the PD use on a as a little blip on our radar and whatever, another maybe minor bits and pieces. It, we can't get our brain round being high, being drunk, making these kind of decisions, coming out with this bullshit, living this kind of lifestyle, and then wondering where it's all gone wrong and trying to figure out how it works and whatever else. Thing. It's just absolutely crazy, crazy, crazy. And you know. It went on every magazine, it went on every forum. We were all trying to work out what the hell had been going on. The rumors went round. We went back and looked at interviews and whatever. And essentially, when you get the court, I don't think there was probably a true word said by anybody that was involved uh, from, from Craig's side and from Kellyanne's side of the table. I don't think it was, they, they probably didn't even know what they did 100% or why they made the decisions that they made and end up in a situation that said, the least was he he describes it as a messed up situation. That's probably the understatement of the century. Back to you. So in case you guys are run, wondering, um, he ended up getting, he initially pled not guilty, but the way it works is if you plead not guilty and then that you're found guilty, you have a chance of getting the death penalty. So basically he made a deal. Um, nothing they could have done here because the other stupid thing they did is they got another person involved. Anthony Gross, and he had him, they had him help them burn the vehicle. And that's another stupid thing that you don't bring in witnesses and think that they're going to keep their mouth shut. So this guy ratted them out, yeah. got probation. So obviously they changed their pleas. 
and they changed it to guilty. And that meant that they got a reduced sentence. So he got 21 to 55 years in prison and the wife got six to 26 years. She's already been out. She served 11 years and he'll be able to have his first parole eligibility in 2026. So I can't imagine they would parole him, but who knows? Um, so he's coming after you mobster in a, in a few years. So be ready for that. All right, so I'm sure he'll come back and uh, be uh, be welcome back in the bodybuilding scene. Huh, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. But here's good news, mobster, for you. They got divorced um, and while he was on prison. So Kelly is single. So if you're interested in Kelly, you could, you know, get your American citizenship that way. You can get your green <laughs> yeah, card if you want to get with her. So... Whatever we do, Steve, I'm never going in a Jag with her. <laughs> yeah, don't go. Yeah, exactly. We're not going for no drives in the desert. Wow. Yeah. She's an attractive lady, by the way. She's yeah. very attractive. They were both great. They were seriously really. He had a great physique. And yep. I can't think of any, maybe off season, but I can't think of any competition photographs in my mind and the photographs I saw in a magazine back in the day when I think of Craig. He had a good, tidy physique. Yeah, he was, as you've said before on other podcasts, Top 100 in the world, that's how you get to be the Miss Olympia stage. And all the physique, he, he could pose well. He he competed in shape. It wasn't, I mean, obviously, the thing was his height maybe went against him. And you had other guys with greater genetics on the stage with you. But he didn't, he didn't have a bad body. He, he, and, it, it, you know, his train, training did the work. The, the diet was obviously on point. He looked pretty damn good on stage. And she, as you say, was, in terms of her athleticism, and watch the, the way that the female bodybuilders in the class that she competed in, I believe she has to do some sort of display pre, pre, pre any posing or whatever else. She was a fantastic athlete, seriously, seriously good. The thing that's kind of frustrating maybe with this situation occurs is you go, right, forget the other bullshit that we've just discussed in terms of the bad boy and the drug taking all the rest of it. What is sometimes a shame is that you have two really, really, really good athletes who apparently regardless of the way that the story was working or whatever else, at some point really loved each other and supported each other. And, and, and what a waste. I don't know necessarily that Craig was ever going to be Mr. Olympia because of who he was coming up against. You're talking about the Lee Haney, Ronnie, Ronnie Coleman era. So I don't think he would have ever sort of taken that top spot, but he could have had a good long career, as you said. Kellyanne, both of them, especially Kellyanne, was doing really well at the uh, um, Expos and all that kind of stuff, as well as presenting herself very, very well in terms of both uh, her look, uh, the stuff she was able to do on stage as a bodybuilder, as a competitor. So it's kind of a waste sometimes when we see people. And again, I can think of local athletes, right, that where someone could have had a 10 or 15-year career, but their head gets fucked. Now, whether that's from recreational drugs or whether it's just from emotional instability, whether it's risky behavior, wherever else, there's been some great bodybuilders not necessarily compete, competitive bodybuilders, but really good, strong weightlifters and strength athletes and bodybuilders that have ended up in jail because of other stupid stuff. It's all kind of normal because it's part of our society and there's always going to be a percentage like that. But when you see an athlete like that, maybe they're a great sprinter, an Olympian or whatever else, you go, what a damn shame that this person has not done as well as they could have with themselves because they had this one thing that was really, really good for them and they fucked it up. And that's what these two have done. They had great physiques decent careers he could have made money about you know being a pseudo bad boy for a long 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 time he could be doing it now steve he could be coaching 
he could be involved. He could be, he's going to put on like a bad boy promotional type thing and got other bad boy athletes to come and work for him. But what are we doing? I mean, we're sort of, we're, we're, it's like body, body monster on, on the forums. We're choosing the top bunk or the bottom bunk. <laughs> Pretty nice interviews with him in prison looking kind of slobby and, and, and messed up and doesn't give a shit anymore kind of thing. And uh, yeah, so there you go. Let's, let's, let's get into the, a, a little bit on the nutrition. And then let's get into the steroid use thing. Yeah, and uh, you could talk about his beef with Kamal. He had a beef with several people, oh. but we had done King Kamali previous episode as well. And I can't imagine, you know, what it would take because he seems like a level-headed guy. But um, Titus has talked some about his nutrition in some interviews he's done. He eats a lot of fish and chicken. He doesn't like red meat very much. He also loves nuts and good fats, fruits, rice, jam, and bagels are his favorite carbs. And his strategy was keto for three to four days, then loading up on carbs and simple sugar. So that's kind of a interesting up and down diet. And it's, it makes sense. It really does make sense because you're kind of depleting yourself on the keto of the sugars and you're kind of messing around with your insulin sensitivity. And then you do the carbs and simple sugars back and forth to kind of fill back up the muscle. So um, that's that's interesting. He really had an interesting um, nutrition strategy compared to some of the other guys he's done. So you want to touch on King Kamali, and uh, we can start getting into the steroid use. Yeah, I, I've I've seen, and of course we did the back, back the uh, research for the King Kamali episode, and of course Craig Titus comes up in interviews around the same time. So you, you're looking for info on King, and you end up getting a little bit of info on Craig, whether you like it or not. Here's the thing, right? I think of the two of them. King was a current, he's always, even we said this during the podcast, he's an outspoken individual. And that's the reason why he's still doing podcasts. He still gets interviewed now. He's still asked an opinion on shows and he's still involved, as you said, via his social media. He's still getting people into shape. He's still involved in sport and he's still a big guy. Maybe a little bit soft looking, but he's still a big 250, 260 pound guy. So when you see him on camera, he's a big, big fella. Now, the thing of it is, I suspect King knew that being outspoken would gain him what we call in modern terms, traction. And as you said earlier on, to market. So you end up saying, right, I'm going to get this guy to come to my show. Like I said, we're great. You get interviewed more often than the other guys because you're not afraid to give an opinion. Craig says about being confrontational and going up and, and calling him out and saying, you know, the, the King would be very polite at a press conference and Craig's then on the microphone going, listen, you, read, you, you was talking online, you were dissing me online, you dissed me in this interview, why are you being so polite now? Where's the King Kamali that we saw in this interview? Where's the King Kamali that we saw in this article? Who's this guy? He's not the same guy. And King was saying, I want to be professional. So King thing, I think, is a marketing thing where if I say this stuff, if you're going to pay attention to me and my physique, and that includes judges down at the front of a competition. Where's this King Kamali with his big mouth? Hey, he's got a tidy set of quads, a good chest. The thing with Craig, I think, and this King actually says this in one interview, is in his words, because it was so damn easy. He would say, he says, I think he said they did one thing where he, he had members that, I'm mean, going to mention this, you have a podcast. He had guys in the audience that were shouting at bald or fat or, or bitch tits or whatever. And King's sitting back in the crowd laughing his ass off. 
and they're saying, you know, I can't believe that I was able to get away with this kind of stuff. So it's again one of those things where, in reality, maybe if he'd had to, they would have had a fight and he would have had to put his fist up and defend himself. But I suspect, really, with King, it was a case of do this, get inside that guy's head, kick his ass, and get moved up to second or third place, or even maybe win the competition. Whereas Craig seems to be the kind of guy that's going to come over and put his foot up your ass because he's not into this whole marketing with uh, King in the same particular way. He understands he made money from it, but he'll still fight you just the same and damn the publicity and damn the marketing. And you can't say this shit about me. Who the fuck is bald? Who the fuck is fat? Who the fuck got bitch just look at you and all this kind of stuff. And then it all kicks off for real. I've been to bodybuilding shows in this country, Steve, where um, especially if there's been beer involved, so a lot of shows don't allow that anymore, where a certain athlete's been on stage and he's been fortunate enough to have a lot of supporters come down. And if there's been in beer involved, you've got 100 guys drunk who lift weights who don't agree with the decision of your placing. That can kick off pretty badly. And as, then there's testosterone all of your own involved. It's like a nightclub plus you know, 30 pounds per individual. So it, the, 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 again, we're back to this kind of decision-making. I like the idea of this bad boy, no bullshit kind of stuff. It, 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 it's, it's out there and it's kind of honest and you're not going to take shit from no one. But with, with these two, I could have seen, if Craig had had his way, I think they would have had a real punch up. They would have had a real fight. Whereas King, I could see the kind of person that would have someone between them backing away a little bit. And only if you get your hands on me, Am I going to have to fight you or whatever else? Because I think then the, the situation's lost and it's got a little bit out of hand. That, that was kind of the sense that I got with the way that King played it. Not afraid to fight, but not somebody who was deliberately trying to get into that level of situation where it's got a bit carried away. And of course, in, 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 bearing in mind the ultimate situation that we're talking about here, I'm kind of glad for it because who knows how kind of crazy Craig could have gone in that particular, you know, with emotion and anger and, and, and testosterone and whatever else. So, yeah. Let's get into the steroids. Yeah, so first of all, we have to you know, talk about the elephant in the room. Um, obviously, he used steroids. He got busted during his pro- initial probation for using steroids. And I'm sure that when he got out of prison, the first thing he did was go and buy steroids. Um, so, I mean, it's no question that he used steroids. Did steroids have an effect on what he did? Of course, people, if you go on and read you know, the, the crime message boards and the crime forums, the Reddits and the, all the comments and stuff, people are going to bring up steroid use. You know, this guy has a history of using steroids. It just makes sense that steroids could have caused this. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, look, I've used some very androgenic steroids like Trembolone. I've used lots of testosterone on some cycles. I don't use very much testosterone these days, but I did before. I don't use Trembolone these days, but I did before. And I know when I'm on them, I have a much less patience on them. I can get extremely cranky on them, especially if I haven't eaten for a while. So could steroids have kind of given him a little bit of a push to do stuff that he wouldn't have initially done? You know, there's there's a debate for that. It's not a black and white issue, but the truth is most people who use steroids, 99.9% of us who use steroids are not murderers. So, and, and 
99% of murderers are not people who use steroids. So it's kind of stupid to blame steroids specifically for this, but could have steroids affected his mental patience and his maybe, you know, having uh, cheating on his wife and having affairs and all this stuff. It could have made someone who's prone to being a cheater, more of a cheater, could have made someone more of a prone to have a temper, more of a temper, you know, so that's one of the things, the way steroids can tie in. What's your thoughts on this, Mobster? I, I'm thinking of a couple of times on the forums when I've addressed this, talking to uh, members when they're asking these kind of questions. You've got certain particular guys talk about, and it's a lovely euphemism. It's not, and I think they, they, they overblow. It's like when they talk about being alpha, right? So if you're a salesman and you're part of a sales team and you want to be the guy that wins and hits your targets for the month and takes no shit for no one else and goes out and kicks ass, then there's an element sometimes, it all complain, as you understand, Steve, it completely comes down to how you respond. So if you're a low test, low affinity for test kind of guy, and they put you on TRT, you suddenly start not just to feel younger because you can lift more, you're training harder in the gym, et cetera, but you feel more positive. And that's a given, right? But then, of course, a lot of us, and I suspect you're the same as me in this particular regard, Steve, we're kind of that way already. So we don't exactly become an over-exaggerated version of that. We become like kind of enhanced. So there's an element, as you said, and I'm sure I've been accused of this a couple of times. Funny enough, I think it's been both when I've been on and off. And where I've become, as you say, less patient and more likely to butt into conversations. I think I'm, all, I'm kind of the personality type anyway, where they talk about the sheep and the shepherd. I'm, I'm the oldest brother. So there's an element of that in my psychology. And steroids might enhance that more likely to be outspoken if i'm if i'm already outspoken hell we're on podcast we're talking public stuff now so you know i'm not sitting hiding with my opinion back on a on reddit or some forum here we are on podcast and you know putting my name in magazines and getting my opinion out there that stuff all can be linked to the element of being alpha the element of having slightly higher testosterone levels or better affinity for testosterone testosterone and, and, and anabolic steroids but as i said earlier on there is no specific actual condition as void rage because of the other elements i mentioned with the alcohol and drugs and that person typically being a violent narcissistic dickhead before whether it's male or female because there's been female examples as well where it's come on, where it's been a female bodybuilder that's been involved, although it's rare. As Steve said, the idea sometimes where people try to link things together, and as he said earlier on, you know, 99.9% .9 of murderers don't use steroids, and 99.9% .9 of steroid users are not out committing crimes. In fact, and I've mentioned this again on the forum, Steve, they've talked about the steroid user, I believe, of 20 years ago when it was surveyed at the time, typically was college-educated, was had a higher income than the average American because that's where the survey was done. Their IQs were actually higher because of the college education and so on. And, and you know, they, they, were, they were keeping fit. They were into the healthy lifestyle. They were training. So you go all those positive things. They weren't out sniffing coke. They wasn't out smoking weed. They wasn't out doing other drugs and they weren't involved in risky behavior. Now there could be for the odd individual. And that's how this stuff starts to stand out where it might bring that out of you, but for the majority of times, you're already doing stupid, fucking violent, criminal, whatever, risky behavior. We're already doing it. And then if steroids has any effect, enhances that a little bit. 
Steve and I don't go into doing crazy stuff. We're not out there doing all manner of stupid shit or whatever else. We're not fucking running around. We're not shagging 47 women. We're not doing stupid stuff. And we're not blaming steroids if we do make those decisions, if we do do those kind of stuff. The only steroid, and I'll address the first one here, Steve, which has been specifically proven in a particular study, funny enough, involving older gentlemen, is we're talking about a, a, a cycle here for Craig, probably including 1,500 milligrams a week of Trembolone. And Trembolone is the only drug. There, there are, might be elements from other drugs, but it's the one drug where 100% it's been chosen to make small, minor changes to brain chemistry. And I'm specifically thinking, I think I mentioned it in a previous podcast, Steve, where they uh, had a bunch of guys with particular medical officials, all of them are older gentlemen. I believe the average age was around 60. Now, of course, as you get older, you might show some of these, exhibit certain signs uh, for early onset dementia anyway. But specifically, Trembolone was, they were giving them a small, I think less than 300 milligrams a week of Trembolone, and they were all exhibiting in the group that they chose signs of or symptoms like early onset uh, senile dementia. In other words, it was affecting their behavior and affecting their thought processes, et cetera. And it was the only drug that had that effect. And of course, many a trend user will tell you, they can, as you said earlier on with the DHT, many a user will say, I say being more irritable. Uh, half of the course, that's not getting asleep. You're sweating at night time. Uh, trend has fantastic results, and especially for a pro bodybuilder like Craig. But equally, it comes with those issues. It comes with that side effect. And you, you've got to, I think sometimes when it comes to steroids, Steve, have an awareness that if I'm on cycle and I can find myself being a little bit more irritable, I need to negate my behavior. I need to be aware that that might happen and make sure I don't get symptoms in certain situations. I need to let the other people in my life know that I'm on a cycle. And if I'm a bit of a bitch today, I'll be fine in a few weeks when I come off cycle. So it's that kind of thing. Uh, we're looking here at the second drug that we suggest. And again, this is probably because we're talking about a competitive cycle here. And in fact, all the drugs that we list here is, again, as per the last podcast we recorded, we're going live soon, a perfectly normal, acceptable pro bodybuilder competing cycle. So the second drug here is 1,000 milligrams a week of equipoise. And the equipoise, along with the Masteron, is these are things that are going to get a guy into shape, especially with a physique. At the level that Craig got to, uh, we, we would, and you mentioned it with his training and, and, and his diet, he had an awareness of how his body responded. It, it, the diet was not typical, but it worked for Craig. And I say that because, of course, the physique I said he presented. So he knew what worked for him. He knew what drugs got him into shape. He knew how to put this stuff together in such a way that he presented a very, very good competitive bodybuilding physique uh, on stage and, and, and placing very, very highly, being, as I said, one of those top 100 bodybuilders in the world. The 800 milligrams of testosterone that we're going to we, mention as a cycle here per week again is almost a base. It's almost the foundation of what everything else is built on. Uh, I would only think, say, but there's those first four drugs that I mentioned, I'm going to let Steve cover the last four, is the best part of 4,300 milligrams. Uh, so the cycles that the guys were doing when Craig was competing were getting into that three to five grams a week level. But again, there are guys out there that we know that can do that and they're never, ever going to be on the Olympia stage 
whereas Craig was on the Olympia stage and as I said before as a bodybuilder had a fine high quality Olympia level physique so yeah I mean these are all numbers that would be way 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 in excess of what I would be using Steve and as I say going back to the beginning trends the only one that's 100% proven to have that kind of effects on you I would only uh, question if he was running it excessively in terms of time rather than the amounts here because the amounts here is exactly what he'd need to be a competitive bodybuilder and to get onto the Olympia stage. I'll let you do the last four drugs, Steve. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, these types of cycles are insane. I mean, you got to factor in all the other stuff, the recreational drugs he was doing, the partying, living in Vegas. Like, he admitted in an interview, one of the reasons he moved to Vegas is to get out of the limelight of being in Southern California, which, which made absolutely no sense to me, because Vegas, that's what Vegas is. Vegas is the limelight. Vegas... The population that lives in Vegas is different than the population that visits Vegas. People come to Vegas from all over the country, all over the world, even from over there in London, where you are a monster, yeah, yeah. just to do one thing. And that's party their asses off, not even remember their four days, three, four days over there. Yeah. And then they fly home. I mean, and that's kind of their detox <laughs> in their brain. It's not detoxing you, obviously, but it's kind of their, that's what they want to do. So people do that. They gamble, that they drink. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Exactly. That's, that, yep. that sums it up, man. Sums it up, especially so if you're young. In his situation, it made absolutely no sense. But when you live day to day, like he did, you live day to day. You're not worried about consequences. You're not worried about a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now. So that's the way these people think. They don't plan for their future. And look, some of you are like that. Some of you are not planners. Some of you just, they're just trying to get through your day and you're just living life day to day. But, you know, I'm much a more structured person. So that's just the way I am. And yeah. You may not be that way. It's not, doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but when you are in that situation, you tend to run three, four, five grams of steroids because you're not worried about your kidneys nope. Nope. five years from now. You're not worried about your heart five years from now. And a lot of these guys that we've done, they don't make it to 50 and we're going to do more guys. We have John Meadows coming up. He didn't make it to 50 because, you know, he didn't care. You know, he didn't care about his long-term health or he was ambivalent towards it or he was ignorant about it. I don't know, but we'll get into that. But there's no doubt that once this guy did his prison stay, you don't come out of prison and be like, you know what? I'm just going to be a normal person. I'm going to go live in, in some Midwest state and, you know, with 500 people population and just, you know, do my own thing. No, you're like, I'm going to Vegas. I want to, you know, enjoy life. I want to take things one day at a time, but you're not enjoying life when you do that. That's the thing. So in his situation, I have no doubt he did whatever it took when it comes to using steroids, whatever it took to <laughs> win Mr. Olympia. And he got top, you know, he was almost top 10 in Mr. Olympia, which is a hell of an accomplishment being 11th and 12th and back-to-back -back years. And his, in his mind, I'm going to be – next year, I'm going to win Mr. Olympia. Next year, I'm going to win Mr. Olympia. You're going to do whatever it takes. So I have no doubt he ran this much steroids. I have no doubt. 150 milligrams a day Anovar. Why? Why did they do that? It's an oral steroid. You can run it um, – you run it every day. And 
Anavar is one of those things you throw in there. It's going to help you harden up. It's going to help with some fat loss and stuff like that. Winstrol, 100 milligrams a day of Winstrol. Incredible for drying out. That Masteron, that Mobster mentioned, is a hardener, and the Winstrol yeah. is the dryer. So those are two things they would have used in the in in that era in the mid two, 2000s when he was at his peak and trying to get top 10 mr olympia 20 ius per day of hgh i'm sure he ran even more than that i'm sure some days he ran less you know that's expensive getting good quality hgh is expensive so i'm sure that he couldn't afford to run that much hgh but he ran what he could. So 20 IUs is, is an approximation. And if you're running a bunch of HGH, you got to run the insulin. That insulin's got to be there to help block, drop your blood sugar back down. Um, and it helps to partition the nutrients into your muscles. So Mobster, finish up and give us your final thoughts on this. I've got one more drug, which is not listed here. Uh, it, uh, I can see him being the kind of guy that was almost certainly using Nubane, given everything else that we know, and given everything else we know about his addictive personality, the other drugs he was selling, the other drugs he was distributing, the, the parties that he put on, the Olympia party was one that he had uh, a handle on, and the, the uh, reputation for behavior at weekends and his partying behavior, in terms of ecstasy, et cetera, et cetera. I would see Nubane on this list. They'd probably use other drugs in lieu of Nubane. Uh, and uh, at this, I know specifically, and I'm not going to name the particular individual who had a magazine, helped me with my muscle mob magazine back in the day, was a, a Nubane user and seeing those little uh, files that they were using, et cetera, et cetera. And it was getting out of hand. And it, it, people don't understand. We've seen a couple of drugs, and Nubane's one of them. I can't think of the other one right now, Steve where um, we've had members on our forum, it's almost like they don't understand or they're choosing to ignore that this is a narcotic and that you will, you can and will get addicted to it, especially if you're set up with that personality and that's the kind of way that you're built. And then what starts out as an aid to your training becomes something you need all the time. It becomes a crutch. It becomes a necessity. And then training almost becomes secondary. So as Steve says, going to uh, Vegas, the idea, I, 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 this might have been, if you go out of town Vegas, out into the suburbs, like say Jay Cutler, for example, you don't go clubbing, you're not going to the casinos, you're enjoying the desert heat and the lifestyle and the fact that the property is amazing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think that applies to Craig anyway, means or whatever else. I, I, if you'd mind, Steve, I'll quote your conclusion here. And, and, and this is kind of what we're getting at here, people. It doesn't apply to every bodybuilder, although you do need to be a bit narcissistic to stand on stage covered in baby oil and in a pair of posing trunks and think that you're going to win a competition. It applies to me and my ego when I competed with the idea that I was going to win or I need to win or I want to win. You have to think like that. So that, that element sometimes is a driver. It's a necessity. But the problem here, I think, is... We, 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 specifically with the whole situation and all the occasions and, and the laws and the stuff that and, and the crimes, etc., that Craig, together with Kellyanne, committed, is that you become the ultimate narcissist. You think this stuff doesn't apply to you. You think that the drugs won't become addictive to you, that you can't, you can handle it. You think that the situations you're getting yourself into are fine and normal. 
and don't worry, we're going to deal with it. But in reality, as we see here, it just gets further and further and further out of control. As I, I'll quote the article, killing his assistant or being involved in the death of his assistant ultimately comes down to we don't want her around. I don't want to have to deal with her bullshit. I don't want to have to deal with her getting high. Maybe she's stealing my drugs. Maybe she's taking money off of me. Fuck her. Let's get rid of her. So it becomes a selfish thing. You start off with the bad boy thing and then you end up. It's not a marketing thing. It's not something that gains you traction on social media. It's not something that gets you hits on YouTube. It becomes a real thing. We addressed in a previous podcast, Steve, uh, Larry Wills and his addictive personality himself, being involved in drugs when he was a teenager, weightlifting, training, etc., keeping him out, and then ended up spending all the money he'd made on one of the biggest video hits. He'd had 120 million hits on his one of his early arm wrestling videos, went on sex chats, probably the best part of $100,000. It's addictive personality, it's addictive behavior. And you, 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 oh, I've got more money coming. He ends up skin and has to kind of rebuild his whole thing all over again and apologize to, to partners and apologize to girlfriends. So this kind of stuff happens again. You think it's not you, but it is you. So you have to take responsibility. You have to take responsibility for the crimes. You have to take responsibility for your drugs. You have to take responsibility for the fighting. You have to take... And some element of this, I think both Steve and I agree on this, is it that never happened. Both himself and Kellyanne never properly took responsibility. It was always kind of an accident, the way that they described it. Always kind of like, oh, we didn't think... Listen, you fucked up. You took drugs. You got high. You killed a woman, you fucked up. If Kellyanne was involved, she fucked up. And she should admit it too. Don't blame the steroids. Blame yourself. The drugs didn't put themselves in your mouth. The drugs didn't inject themselves into the veins. You did that. Guys, sometimes there's certain things that happen in their life. It kind of looks like an accident. If I trip over outside in the street, it's either because something was for me to trip over or I didn't put my feet up. This is not like that. I, didn't, I can't accidentally get high or accidentally kill someone, or accidentally take drugs and get high and kill someone. Take fucking responsibility. And that never happened to you. None of it ever was described in a way where they took proper responsibility. She didn't just fall down and die in their front room. They gave her the drugs. Even she got high and died because of the drugs. They gave her the drugs. They were there when she took the drugs. They didn't stop her taking the drugs. So even that doesn't hold up. And something else that Steve touched on again in this article, which we'll refer to later on, this whole situation, especially at the time, and especially the way that media like to think of bodybuilders from time to time, listen, every single person in this country that's ever been involved in some terrible crime, and I'm thinking of murders being the obvious example, if they've ever done a press-up, or if they've ever taken a picture of them flexing their bicep, the newspaper would, and this used to happen a lot, Steve, will be described as a bodybuilder. It was like a simple characterization. Murderer flexes bicep. Murderer did press-ups in prison. I mean, come on. So the whole thing with Craig Titus, as much traction and as uh, and hits and whatever you want to call it that we got at the time of the magazines and the interviews, and even the interest that we had, ultimately, it reflected on us and our sport and what we do. When we do this podcast, we're trying to give information out to you guys to help you. 
we're trying to give you a flavor of what it's like to be a pro. How does this work? How does this benefit the sport? It does not. A guy, two female athletes that were on the Olympia stage in their own classes committed an offense together, which reflected especially on the media. Can you imagine being a bodybuilder at that time, Steve, if you was at school or a college or university or even in an office, and they came up to you, Steve, and are like, are all bodybuilders murderers? Are all bodybuilders taking drugs? Can you imagine the conversations, especially with morons who haven't got a brain cell? And immediately was feeding that constantly. The whole idea that this is this reflected on us, us training and us trying to be healthy. When you're in an office, and I think you've had this yourself, Steve, and we've certainly seen this on the forums. Some places don't they? They quit. You come in there with your little bowl of pasta and your tuna and your healthy protein shake, and they think you're a freak just for wanting to look after yourself and be fit and in shape. So we've got, we've got members on the forums that are embarrassed to have healthy food in the office because of how they're treated. Can you imagine how they were treated in an office if they trained and they, they ate tuna and they had pasta and had a protein shake and then this, this case went to court all the time? How does this reflect? How do you think it reflects on us as athletes, as bodybuilders, as people who lift weights and use steroids and whatever else? What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, you know, th here's the thing. You have a bad apple every now and then that comes around like this. And it basically makes us all look dumb. And it's the same thing in any industry. Like pro athletes, they have a pro athlete do something stupid. And it makes all pro athletes look bad. Any, anything. Doctors, you know, you have doctors do stupid shit all the time. You know, and it makes all doctors look stupid. You have a doctor kill his wife and it makes the doctor, like people start wondering why did the doctor kill his wife? He, he's like, why would he do that? Well, it makes, and it just means or celebrities or anything. So it's the same way in any industry. And um, that's just how it is. Uh, I mean, it's the, the local media is especially, I don't know how it is in Britain, but in the United States, the local media, it's all negative. They don't report anything positive. They just no. report on negative stuff because that's what people there's a there's a there's a there's people out there who love watching local media because they love that negative bullshit. They love hearing about how someone got in a car accident and died. They love listening to a murder, you know, about a murder. They just they crave yeah. that type of stuff. And it's a sick, sick group of people like that and those are the people that watch local news i mean that's the people who, <laughs> who the local news currency and then the people who try to get a hot story they want they want that story they want the craig titus story they love it it not only made local news it made national lose and just the fact that he was a bodybuilder and she was a bodybuilder and they did steroids and they did recreational drugs and they did that's a hot story and that draws people in nobody wants to hear about some you know boring person who's a manager at Walmart who kills his wife who has nothing it's just plain vanilla they want to hear about the doctor who killed his wife they want to hear about the bodybuilder who killed his wife they want to hear you don't want to hear something fun you know and that will get people's attention so that's that's why it's like that but you know I mean obviously the people who listen to this and listen to our regular podcast they understand that already they understand that you know, just because someone uses steroids, it's not going to make them crazy. The number one thing out there that's the reason for domestic violence and murders and stuff all across the world is alcohol. Yeah. 
And uh, like in Russia, you go to a Russian prison, a maximum security prison, and you interview each person. They say, why are you in here? Oh, I got drunk and I killed my neighbor. I don't even remember doing it. They got drunk on vodka and they killed it. It's like, it's like, dude, you know, I watch a show on it. It's like, dude, alcohol is the worst thing, but alcohol is legal. You can go to any drugstore and buy alcohol. Although I think CVS doesn't sell alcohol anymore. Um, you can go to any gas station and buy alcohol. You can go to any supermarket and buy alcohol. It's readily available. It's advertised legally on TV. They advertise it on sports yeah. shows. But you don't, you know, alcohol, the only thing you hear about alcohol is don't drink and drive. That's it. But, oh, yeah, if you want to drink alcohol and take an Uber home and be drunk and don't remember the whole night, yeah, that's fine. We got we to gotta keep the bars and the, and, the, and the restaurants and these alcohol companies. We got to keep them. We got to keep them alive, you know. So, we got, yeah, go ahead and drink, 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 waste 20 bucks every night drinking alcohol. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. So. It, it, at the end of the day, guys, what you put in your body is is the number one thing. You have to basically take care of yourself. Worry about yourself. Don't worry about what the media says. Don't worry about what Craig Titus uh, did. Don't worry about Craig Titus's steroid cycle. You got to do what's best for you and take care of yourself, guys, and live live a good life. Help out other people. And at the end of the day, it'll be because if they got if they would have if they would have just told this girl when she. You know, just pay the girl the money. Be like, look, it's not working out. Here's the money that we owe you. Uh, Here's half the money we owe you even. Here's half the money. We'll get you the rest at a later time. And, you know, please move back to Florida. I think she was from Florida. Move back to Florida with your family and call it a day. They'd still be around today. And they'd probably making millions of dollars on social media, monetizing stuff. But no, they wanted to get rid of her. Because they viewed her as a, they viewed her as a liability. So they went ahead and murdered her and tried to cover it up in a very stupid crime. <laughs> and at, there was at least three witnesses to it that they got involved. And it was a very stupid crime. So use common sense, guys. One stupid move, one stupid move like this can completely change your life forever. So be smart about it. Yep. Monster, finish us up and take us into the uh, credits. And yeah, also, said, uh, yeah, also talk about, too, how people can get a hold of you. Don't forget, with uh, Steve, you can do a consult. Uh, and easy to check out the links on his uh, tags, etc. on the forum. Myself, if you're looking for me, hashtag Coach by Mobster on uh, Instagram. I'm doing that kind of stuff now as well. Uh, finishing up on this particular one, as I said earlier on, guys, we, we see the occasional stories, etc., on the forums. And guys, come on, uh, we're trying to get in shape with the drinking and the partying. Grab yourself, guys. Grab yourself and take responsibility. So if you're doing stupid stuff, stop doing stupid stuff. It's down to you. If you're not getting into shape, it's because you're not doing the right things. That's down to you. Craig, as I said, along with Kelly, didn't seem like they were taking proper responsibility for their actions. It wasn't an accident. It was something that happened deliberately. And, 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 and as Steve said, even though the media love these kind of stories, it, it just feels like when you're a bodybuilder and more when you train, it feels like a reflection on you. And it really isn't. There's only one moron like this. There's maybe two or three in a generation out of the millions and millions, 30 million people plus in the US alone that are lifting weights and training on a regular basis. And how many of them are doing stupid stuff right now? But it felt like something else at the time. Anyway, two things. First up, who we got coming up next, Steve? And I'll do. Then I'll do. See the. Um, 
Ah, yes, very, very, I'm not going to mention his name. I'll give you guys the usual thing of thinking about who it is. But he was an absolute freak of freaks who came from Germany. So there's a little clue for you guys. And as, as always, when we do this podcast, we have this little bit at the end you guys have to listen to. And the bosses like us to say it, just to make sure. So please know, as always, we are not doctors and the opinions that we express in these podcasts are ours and ours alone. It's our view and it's based on the years of experience and the views that we have on the topic in question. Our podcasts offer informational and educate, entertainment purposes only and the freedom of speech and the First Amendment.